0: Another episode of the Lore Entertainment Podcast. Andrew Southwick with you today, joined once again uh, by our resident... He's not a... Well, see, I gave... I'm sorry, uh, uh, Jason. I gave the spot of Grand Poobah of all things theology and entertainment to John Speed, so I can't take that. Yeah. give that to you. You understand. But perhaps... Oh, yeah. I don't know. uh, Theological court jester might might suit you. I'm not (laughs) sure. That'll work. That'll (laughs) work. Yes. Uh, lure Executive Lure Founder Jason Farley with us today. How are you, Jason?
1: Doing great. Having a good day. How are you doing? How are you doing?
0: Oh, man, doing well. I'll tell you what, and I am... Uh, this is me casual. You'll notice I do not have my jacket on today. It's actually hanging over the back of my chair. I should have I should have uh, moved it before I started the show, but I didn't. And you see, my studio is... I don't actually have traditional air conditioning. I've got a window unit on the other end and I've got a low fan next to me. So those of you listening, uh, if you hear a little bit of, of air in the background or white noise, that's because if I don't have that on, I'm in Florida, it's 101 degrees today. And I, so I've got to be a little bit free. I've got to be, you know, a little bit loose. Otherwise I'd melt in front of you around all my lights and everything. So I'm doing well. It's just really hot. Um, and I don't know if you saw this too. Well, we, we just declared a state of emergency because we have uh, um, local transmission of malaria in the Sarasota area of Florida through mosquitoes. So um, I had not heard that. Yeah. That
1: is Crazy, Yeah,
0: I mean, there's good treatments for that. Hydroxychloroquine, by the way, treatment yeah. for malaria. Yeah. Um, only four cases. They all recovered. Um, and usually what happens, just so in case people are wondering, um, it, it, malaria can happen in tropical uh, climates, but most of it's in Africa. Um, and there are cases of malaria and little small outbreaks in America almost every year. Um, the last time they found it in Florida was almost 20 years ago, something like that. And there was like eight cases. And I think there's one in Texas. And so what happens is a mosquito bites somebody who has malaria and then they bite another person. It's not transferred person to person. It's from mosquitoes. So, um, you know, you can get your bug spray or we use like natural sprays and lavenders and, and that kind of stuff. Um, but, uh, anyway, uh, so other than that, um, everything's going, uh, going pretty well, trying a new, uh, production software here for the show, uh, just to, you know, streamline some time, got lots going on as we all do. So, uh, um, lots to do lots to talk about today. Want to want to use this episode and address some. Uh, lure audience and Lure user questions and even some objections uh, uh, in as to whether or not to, you know, to join and subscribe to Lure. Why do this? Why jump on this platform? Um, especially when you know that, you know, you're, what, I think where we're at 14 bucks a month, something like that, and you can, and you're, yep. uh, and you subscribe. Well, Lure.tv, by the way, Lure.tv, you can subscribe today, but why would you subscribe to a platform that, doesn't have a lot of content. We, we haven't licensed, um, you know, back episodes of different strokes or anything like that. Um, so what, what, why do that? We're going to get into that with Jason Farley a little later on in the show. Uh, first, I do want to talk about an interesting story that came across, and this has to do with entertainment and, um, and faith based, uh, things. This is an article and, and full disclosure, friends, uh, Jason has not heard this story other than I just let him know real quick before we uh, re- we started recording here that yeah. I'm going to talk about it, but this will be his hot take on this. Um, the article uh, by Kendall Tietz or I don't want to, T-I-E-T-Z, I don't know how to say it because I'll say it wrong, um, or pronounce it wrong, uh, from Fox News over the Fox News Wire, uh, Texas Christian University, offers a Queer Art of Drag course requiring students to create a drag persona, and the students are also required to engage in queer, uh, queer theories in relation to performance practice. So, um, TCU offers a, offered a course in the spring of 2023 titled The Queer Art of Drag, which required students to develop a drag persona and engage in these queer theories in performance practice. The class, offered through its Women and Gender Studies department, um, and it's taught by Nino Testa, whose drag persona goes by the name Maria Von Clapp. Uh, expo- we'll explore, quote, drag performance as an outlet for social critique, pedagogy, pedagogy, uh, and queer world-making, according to the class syllabus. In addition, students will explore the history of queer art of drag, uh, meeting with drag performers and experts to create their own drag personas to debut at TCU's annual Night of Drag. Um, Now, uh, Jason, my first uh, thought as as I see this, Texas Christian University, TCU. I'm going to say the name again. Texas Christian University. Now, it's one thing for them to offer the course. It's another thing that if they're offering the course, they have an instructor who has a drag persona. This doesn't seem like anything more than the indoctrination and the, um, the taking a step toward apostasy. That uh, we see when when churches and, and bodies of believers fall away and end up forgetting um, their first love entirely, not even being worthy. I mean, you, even the the seven churches in Revelation, uh, Jesus still called them churches. Okay, so he's still right. he's still considering them to belong to him. Their their, their priorities are are, are are mixed up. But these the apostate churches, these are ones they go they completely abandon God and His Word and His truth. And we're seeing this step over and over again. This infiltration has infiltrated denial denominations far and wide in the West. It's infiltrated certainly our lower, um, uh, lower schools, as in uh, elementary, junior high and high school. We know that. Um, and now we're seeing it, Texas Christian University. Um, let me get your initial reaction to this. But also, Jason, what, what are we, what is it that we're that we are really up against spiritually? Because this seems, this is an attack a demon would do uh, to me. Um, in, yeah. in my, in my, in my view, what, what are your thoughts here?
1: Well, I think all three words, Texas Christian and university are undermined by this Um, because I, for one, can I really take Texas seriously anymore? If this is what their Christian universities <laughs> are doing as some sort of. <laughs> You know, that they, they're well, offering well, to to what happened to don't don't Mess with, with Texas three minutes ago Texas, Texas was,
0: you was you know the guns in the number of own and uh it, it was, was the, the it was it was, it was, was the the conservative, was, conservative mecca. mecca this is the place where we, where are, we are gonna, gonna go, go and uh, we're, we're gonna stand at the way again it's going to secede from the Union and be this bastion this haven of Christian conservatism it seems like it's falling off the map and falling into these progressive hands uh Uh, faster faster than than any other state state in the union
1: Union. and it's well and it's every place where they're where federal money um is coming into the state if so my texas christian university i am i know because there's only a couple of colleges left that don't take federal money i know they take federal money and uh here they are this federal money is subsidizing um the just the destruction of the other two words, Christian and university. It's obvious in the ways that, that this isn't Christian um, because God, uh, God doesn't tell us that uh, putting on a dress is what makes a woman, a woman, right? Uh, um, (laughs) When God creates Eve, he, he creates Eve as this, uh, as the, um, the creature that has all of the wisdom that Adam needs to be able to do his to to complete the mission that god gave him uh that he that she was the kind of creature that was different um and uh the but, but the same the same the same yeah. species of creature but uh different in the sense that she had what adam lacked and to think um that that you can that well queer queer theory uh, central to it is the breakdown of that kind of distinction um that a guy can put on a dress and talk with a a lisp and put on a wig and appropriate everything about being a woman that's just that's not the way uh reality works you're fighting reality at that point
0: and and we right now and i think i don't know if you i know it was one of the lure guys that just posted on this on i think on their facebook page uh, we, there, there is a name for this, isn't it? Cultural appropriation. Isn't this the, isn't this the same <laughs> yeah. thing that you know? Isn't this the same reason why Hank Azaria stopped voicing Apu on The Simpsons? Um, because <laughs> right. God forbid that uh, a cartoon fake person be voiced by a real person. Um, you know, so we, we can't have that. So, is it not cultural appropriation for men to pretend they're women? I mean, that's the, and isn't that doesn't that then fly in the face of the of the of this progressive woke morality system that we're supposed yep. to follow and, and 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 follow in lockstep,
1: but queer theory um, it is about the breakdown of norms. So they don't even care, right? If that's the the whole um, the it's an ideology that is about the break the breaking down of norms in order to gather power and rebuild society uh, uh, into a different thing, right? So it's part of the it's part of just a perpetual revolution mindset that um it, it, that's very Machiavellian. So that's why I mean, to for a lot of years, the right has thought that all we have to do is point out the hypocrisy and that we're somehow winning. They don't care about the hypocrisy because it's not about um because that's why I think the the last word there, university, where you can have. Um, the idea behind a university is that like a universe that has a lot of different planets, but functions together as a whole, the university is about a t- training in a, a lot of different facts and subjects, but that they actually are a unified whole when it comes to knowledge, that knowledge is a unified whole. In queer theory, they don't believe that. It's, it knowledge doesn't isn't a unified whole not that knowledge is a way of gaining power in order to win in the rivalries um queer theory is about developing and using the rivalries uh to break down w- um what's considered normative the word university assumes that there is such thing as normative reality and that knowledge is c- it can reflect normative reality so <laughs> It's it's neither Texas nor Christian nor university any at this point.
0: <laughs> well it can't be because the all of this all of these theories that are you know that are infecting every institution, um, they they tie themselves to an unmoored non-truth. And it has right. to, because if you if you take If you take each thought out and and flesh it out logically in game theory from any angle, it collapses almost immediately. You mentioned they're breaking down norms. Here's another quote from the article. Uh, This is, I don't know who said this quote. Actually, it doesn't say here. Anyway, but it says, Gender revolutionary Leslie Feinberg begins the book Transgender Warriors by invoking the violent question asked of so many queer, trans, and non-binary people. Are you a guy or a girl? Now, first, it sets up this as a violent question. A violent question. Um, How is it violent to say, are you a guy or a girl? I mean, that you, and actually, I can, you can usually see that. Um, Very few people are truly androgynous where it's hard to tell. But anyway, and then it goes on to say the gender binary is enforced through compulsory norms, harassment and violence, and violence enforced through violence. So down through the years, this is what we have to believe, down through the years, that, this, that gender norms have been enforced violently and kept this way. And we are only now discovering um, how wrong we were in service now of a white cis heteropatriarchy, which basically is, remember, the white Christian man is the devil. Um, This this is in the syllabus at Texas Christian University, Texas Christian University, which would also, by its name, you would have to assume, would believe the book of Genesis, male and female. He, God, created them, male and female. He created them. Uh, In the epigraph to the syllabus, Feinberg encourages us to abandon the sterile and diagnostic attitudes toward gender that characterize dominant cultural excuse me, dominant cultural logics by asking us to consider gender, not as a category of being, but as poetry Feinberg opens up new ways for us to understand and experience ourselves and our worlds.
1: Go that ahead. Is, that, that, that's, um, they set everything up in terms of rivalry, power structures. Everything is about power. Uh, and, and in the Christian world, it's not, it's about uh, service, right? We, we're, we're told um, by Jesus that powers that, uh, um, that the, that rivalries come from sin and from the, yeah. and from the fall and that we restore the intended order by serving God and then serving one another uh, because then reality Uh, is restored right reality is restored by uh, the as our relationship with God is restored we are reinserted into reality and you can tell that this is an attempt to just live against reality to to deny reality to deny that reality has uh, a nature that reality has existence and uh, but but if you think about it the world uh, if the world is created via the mechanism of evolution, then things are held in place by coercive power. Reality is held in place by coercive power. If um, And so if you have more coercive power, then you get to define reality because reality is held in place by um, the coercive power of, of death. And mm-hmm. uh, I just, that's just not true, right? It's just yeah. not true. <laughs> Reality is held in place by the Word of God, um, by the continual speaking of the Word of God, and uh, Jesus Christ is the uh, is the integration point of all things and the integration point of all knowledge. And you take that away, and what you get is is rivalry um, and you know a power hungry uh, power snatch uh, that's just going on here and there, and they're just saying. Our, we want to we want to take down that that enemy over there and become the ones in power we want to take over and take power and uh, and uh
0: that's similar to what you know what i hold on and a view that i hold in, like when it comes to The idea of systemic racism, for example, it's not the racism that people have the problem with. It's the system. They want to be in charge of who we get to be racist against. Um, We even see that today with uh, progressives going crazy that the Supreme Court undid uh, affirmative action in colleges. So no longer can colleges be racist. Harvard and UNC um, as two of the uh, biggest uh, perpetrators of that. But it's kind of the same thing. They want the power to be able to discriminate, the power to be able to choose what death is necessary. And it is in interesting it's the exact opposite where jesus wants life satan wants death um and the this other world view uh, effectively as you mentioned the curse of power of death it uses death and says that that's bringing about Something good that it's good that there are less of us that it's good that we don't have a purpose that it's good that we're there's no difference between any one of us at all that there is no creative purpose there's no creative intent there there is no creative will of any kind there is just death and and that's and, and that's about it I mean to me yeah. I mean when you look at that objectively I mean my heart does break for so many people that that this is the worldview that that they live under and and I am. Incredulously perplexed that Texas Christian University who you would think would have smart people at the helm would go along with with such a madness well
1: and i, I what i find um devastating in the in all of it is that when they st- when they say we you, this you've got to create a drag persona um what they mean is you get to it, it. It's it. It's in a lot of ways. I think it's worse than blackface. Right? Are you allowed to say that? Can I say that, right? Um, right. Because it um, with blackface, at least when you we everybody looks at it and says, but that's that's an exaggeration. That's not real. That's not the way things are, really, right? Um, you the because the the racial stereotypes um, we are obvious to us with the trans they're taking this the the worst kinds of stereotypes about women and um and then say and trying to norm it n- make that the norm saying like i'm just acting like a woman and then they're over sexualized they're dancing they're uh, the they're provocatively dancing they're acting like the power that that the uh, the their femininity is a source of power and control. There, mm-hmm. um, that that um that somehow that a woman's um sensua sensuality or is is uh the the way that they use it is not, is a bad stereotype hmm. of women, right? Yeah. From the, I mean, it's the ba- it's like the worst stereotypes of women from the the 50s and the 60s and then you dress up that way and everybody was like oh yeah look she's acting like a woman right yeah.
0: we, and, and the um, fact that, that true womanhood is defined by a a male's imagination of what a woman is is that not yeah. the very definition of an oppressive patriarchy
1: you know right. I, mean, I know, <laughs> like for those of us that have been trying you know that that have been you know um tr- arguing that women ought to be honored with feminine honor for years I find it incredibly offensive that yeah. they uh overthrow any sort of feminine honor um, as even a possibility and say well no with this we're we're gonna act like the way men uh imagine women should be um and then everybody says oh look She's just acting like a woman. A woman is whoever a, a, woman, a woman pretends to be. Whoever a woman, whatever a person says they identify as a woman is. That's what a woman is. And you think? Yeah. I, I've been fighting for the the uh, fe- that feminine honor should ought to be shown to women, and that we should restore the old roundtable uh, round table vow that uh, a man's job is to protect all women and show women gl- honor and glorify uh, women in the, for their f- for their wisdom and their femininity and their their ability to bring forth life and you know, all these things and uh, it's just a slap in the face of those of us who who believe well, women ought to be honored as women. women.
0: Here's the thing, and I'm going to, if it's okay, Jason, I'm going to take the last word on this. Um, All right, do. And we'll move on because we got to get to a lot of lore stuff. Um, but here's the thing. If, if you really don't know, or maybe you're a Christian and you think, well, gee, maybe I've been too patriarchal or something like that. The real thing is this. You have to think back to creation. And you have to think back to when you see the summary of creation and you see Adam naming the animals. Why did he do that? Because there was something not good about a perfect world. And you have to remember that before sin, the world was perfect. Sin had not entered the world. Death had not entered the world. Disease had not entered the world. War had not entered the world. Oppression, et cetera, et cetera, you name it, anything bad we have today was not in the world when Adam was naming the animals. Why was he doing that? Because he was looking for a suitable helper. He was looking for a companion. And, and, and the paradox that existed before the creation of woman, was that there was this perfect world that God said was good, but still something was not good. And the prescription for that was the creation of woman, uh, a special and unique creation made differently than any other thing that God had created before. And it was the, 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 the female of the human species was the completion of creation and God's created work. It wasn't done. It wasn't good. Everything was perfect, but not yet good enough. Th- this can be improved, and woman is the improvement of that. That is worthy of such an honor. Moreover, when you look in Ephesians chapter 5, everybody um, points to this and, and says that Christianity is uh, you know, pa- um, misogynistic and everything, because Paul says, uh, wives submit to your husbands. By the way, there are plenty of uh, jerk husbands who are not submittable, okay, and not honorable, and they shouldn't be. Um, But right before that, Ephesians uh, Ephesians 5.20 or 5.19, I think, um, he says, so submit to each other. Everybody submit to each other. That's what Paul says, and then he gives three examples of what submission looks like: husbands and wives, uh, children and parents, slaves and masters, or employees and employers, um, effectively. And what he and he calls for a different kind of love for the husband to give to the wife than the wife to the husband. He doesn't call the wife to the agape sacrificial love that he calls the man to in that because he says, "Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church." That same command is not given to the, to the female, to the wife in that there is a difference. There is a, a special and unique difference. And what we are doing in this madness, uh, we are really, un, uh, we're not undoing it because God's work cannot be undone. It can be obfuscated or, or bl- we can be blind to it. We can misuse it, but we can't undo what God does. But, um, we, um, We're confusing it to such a degree that we're missing out on that. And there is such, there is a beauty in the creation of humanity and in the relationships uh, between male and female as friends or as spouses, what have you. Um, and, And there is, I think, an abundance in the fullness of creation that we are flat out rejecting and trying to hide from future generations uh, through doing this. And I want to ask you your thoughts on that. So I'll give you the brief last word and we'll move on. <laughs> Sorry. I'll, t- I'll take the right. almost last word.
1: Okay. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that the the beauty and the glory uh, of the way God created humanity is that he gave uh, men and women to incredibly different kinds of cre- uh, kinds of creatures with different perspectives and views on everything and said um uh marry marry one another and um you'll and together you can accomplish the mission that God gave to Adam um and yeah. it takes it takes us it takes the differences uh existing in fellowship uh to actually accomplish what God gave us to do in the world so all of these attempts to uh undo and flatten out the differences are really attempts to get away from what god told us to do which is uh gar- turn this place into a garden right it is to get out mm-hmm. there into the world and and transform it into uh and uh, transform it into what god intended it to be which is a beautiful garden um full of fellowship everywhere and people that don't want to do that one of the quickest ways to to undermine it is you, you need men and women able to work together. Uh, If you flatten out those distinctions and those differences and they men and women can't work together anymore, then uh, you're not going to get the dominion uh, accomplished. (laughs) You're not going to get the gardening done and you're not going to get the fellowship um, restored. So yeah, it undermines, it it undermines reality. reality. Randy
0: Newman was right. We belong together. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> um uh seeing that we can see now we're getting back to entertainment now, part of that was entertainment because Texas Christian University is asking these people to come up with personas, to come up with characters, and dive into this world. Well, that's one of the reasons why Lure TV exists—not to uh, encourage people to dress in drag and dive into the world of uh, white cisgender hetero patriarchalness, um, but actually to uh, to present an alternative, to present the true uh, points of view, the true storytellers, uh, true storytelling, true truth telling, um, based faith entertainment. And, you know, again, it's something that we really don't have a lot of. There are a couple of, uh, you know, uh, Christian studios that are that that put out uh, different products to to varying degrees of quality, depending on your work um, or your your taste. What have you? Some of them I like, some of them I don't. I mean, mine's more of a music background. So it's like I'm kind of the guy that I wish that Christian music would have the same kind of production and innovation that a lot of the rock music had from, uh, the baby boomer era. Like, you know, it always it just sounded so like, um, plastic and, and, and produced and pristine and, and, and beautiful. And, and, and it, it missed some of the human experience that we can relate to. And I think the same is true for Christian entertainment and movies. So now we have Lure TV, and which is, which is getting traction um, across the entertainment industry. We're starting to get mentions on shows like TimCast the other day. We were mentioned there. If you haven't seen that clip, you can find uh, clips of that all over our Facebook pages, uh, search for Lure, L-O-O-R on Facebook. But i um, I want to address some of the, uh, maybe some of the objections or hesitations that people may have to subscribing to lure right now, because look, you know, no, it's no secret that lure is a startup platform. It's a startup entertainment platform and has a different business model and a different way of funding. It's, um, it's entertainment. Um, where really you, the viewer, you, the audience, directly fund the shows and movies that are produced. So instead of, for example, a, a Netflix, which takes your subscription money, part of it goes to their in-house production. And yeah, they have other production companies and they do other fundraising and and so does lure. But Um, they, some of it goes to that and then some of it goes to licensing other shows and movies that they can run then for whatever period of time on their platform. Well, this is no, we're, we're, we're doing it ourselves and we're not. Uh, we're not subject to censors. We're not subject to ESG scores. We're not subject to, um, you know, uh, what's his name? Fink at BlackRock telling us that we have to, um, you know, have a, a a Hethmo gendered or whatever the thing is uh, representation. We can tell the stories that God wants to tell through each one of the creators, each one of the filmmakers, each one of the storytellers on the platform. But in starting out, admittedly, there isn't as much content as the other platforms. And so, Jason, uh, I want to ask you, and we'll talk about a couple of specific projects as we go through uh, this part of the conversation, but, you know, how do you, how do we get over some of those objections? So, uh, without, uh, with setting aside those of us that have, you know, really tight budgets and we just, we can't afford a sub- another subscription right now, totally understand that, no begrudging that at all. But for those of us who might be thinking, well, gee, you know, I the, I want to see that show, but that show's not on right now, so I'm not going to subscribe. Or this is a new platform and I'm not really sure it's an unproven business model. Um you know, what are some of the the ways that you overcome those objections when you are talking about Lore to the people in your circle and maybe some things that those of us who are considering subscribing to Lore might need to factor in uh to our equation.
1: Yeah. Well, the like you said This is the way that it works, that somebody gathers up the crowd's money and then goes off and makes content with it. And what what we're trying to do is to let the crowd then have a say in how the crowd's funds are spent. Right. So um, this in a real sense, we're not the way the, the cycle of gathering money and spending it is not different. Um, the difference is that Netflix has been now doing it long. I mean, if you remember 15 years ago, you you couldn't go stream things on or you weren't streaming things on Netflix. It, they yeah. they weren't at a point yet where you did have a whole bunch of content. Um, they uh, they went and got uh, uh, they went and got investment money and started out with House of Cards and and spent you know went all in on House of Cards and said we're this is going to be our flagship um but and then announced once it was done well we're doing we're doing it the other way around because um if you saw and watched House of Cards then you know that House of Cards uh didn't uh it didn't end by glorifying and showing you know here's here's that righteousness is good and true and beautiful right that's not how that show went um and we're trying to uh, prove that actually that there is a a significant audience out there for that for the kind of content that does glorify righteousness that does show that goodness and truth are beautiful um and but but uh, instead of doing it by going and saying hey we're going to go raise a bunch of money. We're going to make stuff that we are confident people are going to love and then go find an audience for it. We're going to the audience first and saying, which of these things is the one that you want? Mm -hmm. Um, So if you don't jump in now, you don't get a say, right. By the time you show up, it's made right. And so uh, it's like starting out on any, on anything, you know, when, when I was involved in starting a school, there were, there were four families that got together and said, we're going to start a Christian school. The families that didn't jump in the first year didn't get a say about how um, the the manual was put together. They didn't get a say about you know, so the the families that come along later, somebody else built it for them, um, and so they don't get to see. They don't. They don't get a say. Um, there. It feels like there's less risk in that, um, mm-hmm. but the reality is you're just dimming your own voice. Um, You're turning your own voice down, down.
0: Well, here's the other thing, too. Um, A lot of people are clamoring for um, and we've probably heard the term going around quite a bit a parallel economy, because if we've learned anything in the past few years, COVID was a revealing that there are active forces working against um, the everyday citizen in America and certainly the Christian conservative. Uh, citizen in America. And we have for years allowed Hollywood and our public education system and our medical system and our system of government and our legislations carry our values for us instead of us doing it ourselves. And what that has done is now we're, we're kind of in this everything bottlenecks because when they decide we're done pretending to like you, And now we're going to box you out of participation, which is exactly what's happening through cancel culture, through um, the medical tyranny, through students not being able to get into school because of either their opinions on a certain matter or they didn't take an experimental jab or whatever it might be. These are things really happening, and it's happening all across the country. I, I live in what we know as the free state of Florida, and we have our own issues too with, with these things, even as free as we might look um, nationally and politically. So I would suggest too, those of us who are concerned about that, we want to see a parallel economy emerge. Because if um, if our grocery store doesn't want to serve us anymore, where are we going to get food? Not all of us are farmers and ranchers, right? So where are we going to do this? Well, if Netflix and, and, and Disney, certainly, they, they're clearly, they've said, we do not care about you or your family or your kids. We're going to do our thing our way, and you can, you know, go up your nose with a rubber hose, right? So the, I would put it this way. When America was founded, which, by the way, if you think about this, the revolutionaries that founded America— founded America to overthrow less tyranny than we're experiencing right now. Okay. Right. Just I, go back and look. All right. King George was nothing like Sir Houseplant Biden. But anyway, um, the, there weren't 365 million people in America at that time. I know there were native Americans or whatever it is. I, I mean, name me one country that didn't exist because of conquest. I'm not saying it's right, but that is what it is. I can't go back in time. Um, but th- there weren't that. And you might have been in merry old England saying, well, gee, I'd like to wait until the country develops until there's a, little, until there's a corner store and maybe a doctor's office somewhere in town. Um, or you could jump in at the beginning. And I think that's what we're doing right now is we're, we are paving this ground. And, yes, there are less pavers than there are people who will trot upon these roads in the future. But you really need the, the foundational pieces The foundational subscribers Because that's what's going to establish this A parallel economy only becomes a parallel Economy if people begin to use It right
1: right When and you, know, We have um, Found That there are plenty of, of Great Christian artists Out there ready to make Movies ready to tell the stories ready To make the TV shows uh, That that have found it frustrating uh, throughout their careers that the only people willing to take risks are the people on the left. They're willing to, to, to say, Hey, I, I I want, I want the world. I want the world to turn out a particular way. And I'm willing to spend my money in advance to get it there. The um, conservative Christians have tended to say, I will let somebody else build the world and then I will come along and live in it as carefully as I can uh, rather than say, I'm going to get out there and try and build something for the next generation. I'm going to build up uh, a, a storytelling inheritance for the people that come along Mm -hmm. after that. um, And so we don't, we don't have what it is that we would like uh, because we're not willing to get out there and take those risks often. Um, now one of the things that we're doing at lore is uh e- when you when you join you immediately start building up experience points xp and um those experience points gets you, get you to the front of the line uh, on things uh, on different quests that are coming down the road they get you uh bonus loot um at different times during different quests and they and they raise the value of your um they as time goes on, the amount of loot that you get per month goes up as you're as you hit different levels and experience points. and uh, so there are people that are gonna be you know, at paladin level when you jump in uh down the road and you're just a a newbie newbie rookie um and because they jumped in early and so they're going to continue to have more say uh, down the road because they took the risk with us early on. So, um, you know, r- right now, um, the a couple of programmers, Marcus and myself, are winning the um, XP game um, <laughs> because we jumped on so early and our XP keeps going up. So, um, a- and if you, you know, if you quit and then come back, you have to start over at the beginning too. So there's <laughs> always a... Uh, um, you're you're losing the game. The later you start, it, the yeah. later you jump in.
0: Well, let's give uh, let's give uh, in the next few minutes here. Let's give uh, viewers a, a little bit uh, more of a taste, a sneak peek of what uh, some of the projects are that are upcoming, that are being funded, that we can look forward to. Um, and I've got a couple here. I want to show a clip of a new one called Black Rose Ballad, which I know all right that we are. Um we being Lure are beginning um, a, a full court press on this to promote it and, and help it get funding. We've got an interview on the Lure Entertainment Podcast with Joel Burris, the filmmaker behind Black Rose Ballad. That's coming out, um, at least as of this recording, it'll be next week. We'll see when uh, or we'll, it'll already have come out by the time you see this. I'm getting confused because I recorded so many. It doesn't, <laughs> anyway, I really live in a time paradox. But nonetheless, uh, it is one of the, the, the big releases coming out on Lure. So if I played my of cards right here we're about to see this uh come to fruition let's take a look at black rose battle friend foe lend me your ear to what, uh, what's upcoming and you know, Black Rose Ballad um, Joel Burris is um, going to a lot of different locations in, in filming um, the different scenes and, and, um, and uh, shots in that film and it really looks like a powerful film of, of really depravity and, and redemption uh, Jason, what are some of the things you're excited about uh, with this project?
1: Well, one, I've already read the script and so I know how amazing the story is and um, I can't imagine the first people that read The Sixth Sense, who then went out and tried to say, "Look, I can't tell you the twist at the end, but you got you got to get this made, right? You got this amazing, amazing script." Um, I feel that way about Black Rose Ballad. It's one of the best scripts I've ever read. I read scripts all the time. Uh, it's a, it's an amazing story. It's really well written. And then I love Joel's style of filmmaking he's he cut his teeth uh making heavy metal videos um for bands right he he makes, he makes just fantastic intense um uh, intense movies and he he loves the lord he loves uh he loves storytelling and he loves telling the kinds of stories that uh that move people towards wanting to do what's right and that's what this story is um but he does it yeah. by showing the sorts of the 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 what happens when you pick wrong and God's wrath uh, starts hunting you, you know, when, when, you, you, when you do question. the wrong thing and, and the wrath of God comes after you, you don't want that. Don't want that.
0: Yeah. Well, sir, yeah, no, I will. I'll pass on God's wrath if at all possible. <laughs> um, you mentioned, this is one of the best scripts you've ever read. That's not a small thing to say, because I don't think you say that lightly or um, no, not at all. Or superfluously as as a, you know, a funding uh, superlative, but um you know what? What makes a script good? That's one of thing we hear all the time. Actors say, "Well, I read the script and it was fantastic." And you know, those of us lay people out here that don't even like to read, we're like, "Well, what does that mean?" You know, I, can right. I watch the movie of the script first and then tell you if it's good? And that's pretty much, you know, where <laughs> that's where I live. But um, yeah, what, what makes a well, script good? You read a bunch. Yeah. Well, why do they suck? Why are they good?
1: Because most most people will never read a script because scripts are scripts are designed so that a group of people can tell a story together. And the script is the, the thing that holds that holds the story for all of the different people that are going to tell the story together because movie making is a collaborative art form. And so it takes a whole group of storytellers working together. Well, um, and I read a lot of scripts. I've written a lot of scripts and, and read a lot of scripts and I've got my favorite script writers, Edgar Wright, uh, William Goldman, you know, those are my mm-hmm. top two favorite, uh, script writers. And, um, what makes a script great is when, um, the, the story comes alive as you read it and you can't, you have to keep, you know, you have to keep flipping the pages cause you've got to find out what happens to these characters, right? Yeah. When you end up invested in the in the life of these characters and it's coming alive. That's when uh, you know a script is working when it's really good. Um, and you know it's it's written a lot different. It's got a very um, industry specific format because there's so many people that end up working on it. Um, but uh, what makes a, a script really great is when it introduces characters that uh, you end that you end up caring about. And when it tells a story that simultaneously satisfies and surprises, right? Yeah. So you can, um, so, you know, my, my favorite script of all time is the princess bride, William Goldman. Um, yep. And when you read it and you, uh, and then uh, my second favorite is baby driver, um, which is, which it, it's not the same thing as saying that's my favorite movie, right? The mm-hmm. script is what's so brilliant is you is the way like with that one, he weaves together a playlist, a musical playlist where the words are a part of the storytelling, all of the the words of the songs that are always a part of the storytelling. So all of the music that you hear in the background is in the script for baby driver, oh. right? Okay. So you're reading along and you realize, Oh, and, and this song has to be here because this song is adding information that you need for the story, right? Um, That's really brilliant. That's not normal. Normally somebody else chooses the music at the end of everything. Um, And that's how, you know, that he, he, that the story was, is told in, at a deep multi-layered in a deep multi-layered way. Um, And uh, I mean, I think you've, you've got a, a script like that with black Rose ballad that has multiple layers, um, characters that that you are are invested in um and then the um a, a an ending that you that at least for me made me go what? oh my gosh i did not see that coming but it's so perfect <laughs> they couldn't end in a better way but it, um with that the surprising moment that says um that all of this is um is a spiritual allegory about you, yeah. right? We you, you get to the end, and he doesn't come out and say that, right? It's, it's um, it's just that you realize it, the ending reformats the whole story so that you can go back and watch it again, and that's when you've got a great script. Um, when you get to the end, and you know, if I go back to the beginning and I reread this, the story's fresh and new because. Yeah the way that it ended gives you information that you didn't have at the beginning. And that's, you know, what um, that's what makes a classic uh, re rewatchable is because every time you watch it, there's more information um, to to rewatch with.
0: This this may be a confession or, or a condemnation of myself. I don't know, but um, I recently, my son and I watched uh, Pulp Fiction. I showed him Pulp Fiction and I realized there's a lot of, there's a lot of language and violence. I get it. But that script was incredible because It's just exactly what you're talking about. You get to the last act and every other act in that movie all of a sudden changes. And when you go back again, you see it from a whole new light. Um, Sixth Sense was the same way. You know, we can always look at M. Night Shyamalan. He's trying to do that in every movie to different degrees of success. But um, that one actually, you know, which was before the Sixth Sense, Pulp Fiction was, um, accomplished that at least in my lifetime as uh, one of the better ones to, to to Really turn it on its head, but not in a way that was cheap or contrived or, you know, the whole kingdom of the crystal soul, it's aliens or um, never talk to strangers. You're a multiple uh, personality, schizophrenic, something stupid like that. Um, It was like, oh, no, this is all these gaps filled in. And now I can see this whole story in a whole new way. It sounds like you're saying something similar. Black Rose Ballad is not Pulp Fiction. That's not what I'm saying. But it sounds like <laughs> a similar kind of effect or storytelling it is is, uh, is what you're implying.
1: It is. Yeah. So um, and and the um, this is what you know, the inheritance of all things is ours in Christ um, and when you've got a great Christian storyteller, they have uh, often the freedom um, in Christ to tell stories that you, that you couldn't get away with in Hollywood. And this Mm -hmm. is one of those stories, right? The um, you're not allowed, for example, for God's vengeance to show up because of an abortion. You're supposed to feel really bad for the abortionist and the girl that had had to get the abortion, you know, f- for whatever reason you're, um, but if God's wrath shows up and punishes in the story, shows up and punishes a woman for choosing an abortion, you are, you're not getting that made in Hollywood, right? Yeah. That that's, but we have but we can tell that story as Christians, if you get the funding for it, right? If, right. um The, and, and um, the, it's a story that everybody knows is true, right? At the at the deep gut level, we all know it's true. Um, that that, uh, but there's everybody's afraid to tell that story. If you give a guy like Joel Burris the money to tell the story that he wants, to that and he um, that guy is not afraid to tell the truth, and he's got the skills uh, to back it all up and tell it in a moving and beautiful way. Um, and, uh, the, <laughs> so, and, uh, you know, w- when I'm looking for, uh, new projects, you know, I've got w- one of my tests is when I, f- if I, uh, if I can't sit down after hearing, after reading the script, I, if I have to take a walk, um, or seeing the, seeing the preview, um, I've, then I know we've got something special on our hands, right? Well, And, and there's just been a handful of those projects that are, that are like that. Whereas like, I cannot, we have, this has to get made. I cannot sit down. This is too good. Um, Black Rose Ballad is one of those. Barely Biblical is one of those, right? Where you're just like, this is such a great, This is, how can this not be made yet?
0: (laughs) That's a great, and that's a great segue. I want to remind everybody again, uh, allure.tv L-O-O-R.tv. You can subscribe right now um, and help get these projects made. You mentioned Barely Biblical. I'm going to take a little uh, try here, show you a clip from that. I may screw this queue up, so if I do, don't worry. We'll we'll get it right. But let's take a look at Barely Biblical, and uh, then we'll talk about why you're so excited about this, which is, uh, by the way, We're starved for children's content, right? That we can trust. Do you remember the days, and I remember the days because it was like six weeks ago, when if your kids wanted to watch something, if it was Disney, yes, I'm going to have to look at it. It it was, go ahead, you know, and anything, um, Disney Junior, just turn it on, let it run all day. No problem. Now, actually, Disney's the one you got to watch, you know, like I I would, I would, I would, uh, you know, I would sooner say yes to, um, you know, um. Uh, MGM or 20th Century Fox, and I went to Disney at this point. Um, right. so, but this is something like that where, hey, you know, you, you want some kids' content? Lure's got that too. Barely Biblical is one of those. Let's see if we can take a look at this here. The Philistines have sent out their champion Goliath of Goth. Okay, whoa, whoa, who is this uncircumcised
1: fluff bag? bear that we may fight together.
0: You could take him. Do you see that guy? It's like he's stuffed with steel wool. You know, I may look soft, but I'm a hardened man of might. Whenever bears and lions tried to steal a lamb from my father's flock, I defeated them easily.
1: Yeah, we could fight him, but first we're trying to figure out what King Saul
0: might give to the one who's able to take him down. I bet he'd give him treasures in a house to store them. Well, I think King saul give his daughter in marriage. Which daughter? Merab's nice, but my cow's a gal cow worth at least a hundred foreskins.
1: Yeah. Pass that
0: over. Whoa, 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 bro, I'll take care of the sheep, but first I'm going to take care of this mouthy Philistine. <gasps> All right. There you go. There's a sneak peek at barely biblical. Holy smokes. Now I can tell you, I've never seen David and Goliath like that before. Uh, Jason, what is so good about barely biblical? Well,
1: well, the, the talent behind it, right? Tim Engle, James Arnold Taylor. Um, now Chris Savino is, is on the project as well. Um, we're talking the top of the industry, right? It, like this guy's at the very, very top, um, James Arnold Taylor, he plays, um, he, he's in clone wars. He plays, uh, um, Obi-Wan Kenobi, right? Like oh. it's Obi-Wan Kenobi, right? Yeah. Clone yeah. Wars, right? Like literally the best in the business. Um, and he loved the project and jumped on board and said, Oh my gosh, I'd love to be a part of this. Looks, this looks amazing. Um, and you've got great animators, great storytellers, great writers. Um, but on top of that, they love the Bible as God gave it. And they want to give it to kids as God gave it in the they're using uh they're you the reason they're using stuff teddy bears is because you can get away with telling the story truly, um, in a way that uh you you have um C.S. Lewis talks about how you've got to uh, sneak past the watchful dragons with the truth uh, to, and we have for whatever reason we have decided that um, we can't just give kids the Bible straight in our society um, that you have to, to balderize it, that you have to really tone it down and get rid of the, the things that really make the story fun, especially for boys. Um, and uh, so using teddy bears, you can tell the story exactly as is. So when it says the ravens then came and they ate the flesh of the enemies of God and you um, that you can actually have the ravens show up and be pecking the, be- the dead bears and bringing the fluff back to use for their houses, like it says in the Bible. Um, which you know what couldn't about, get away with otherwise. Otherwise,
0: what's interesting about this is that again, I think back to when the um, when the tapes were released. There was some recording from Disney executives that they said, "Yeah, we're going to put um, you know the Alphabet Mafia stuff and the Tranny Madness stuff, and we're putting it all in um, every show." And, and one of the one of the executives said, "I put it in every show that I touch, whatever as much as I can." Well, it's kind of, it's taking that and turning it on its head. Um, and and not, yeah. a, not a, I mean, you could, if you want to look at it just, you know, flippantly, you would say it's a troll, but, but it really isn't because, uh, you know, it is, here's what the Bible says. And, and, and Jesus intended the Bible to be taught. Also to children, uh, Deuteronomy six right. tells us plainly: teach it to your kids. Tell when the sun comes up, when it goes down, when you go out to work, when you go when you when you sit down to eat, when you're out in the fields. Uh, tell it. Make sure you tell it. Make sure you tell it, and tell it to your kids. You never see Jesus turning away children in his ministry. In fact, rebuking those who try to keep the children away. And yet, we have uh, in Western Christianity hid a lot of the biblical truth from the kids, and and uh, giving right. them, I think a a. Not a false picture, because we, we, we do teach Jesus Christ, but not, not a full picture and not a complete understanding. of a full picture. And that's part of what lends to our, I think, our, our, na- our naive understanding as we get older and, and our diminished relationship with Christ. And here we're actually bringing that back. This is what the Bible says. And by the way, um, you know, in, in my time in pastoring children's ministry one of the one of the aspects of children's ministry in fact the most important aspect of children's ministry is actually the parents I think that children's ministry should be more geared to parents than to kids why because parents are the children's ministers again right. Deuteronomy 6 does not say uh, parents make sure your kids are enrolled in children's ministry at your local church and make sure that you know they're they're in awana or Royal Rangers or whatever whatever your uh, your group is it says you know mothers and fathers tell your kids um and uh we, we we don't equip parents very well to be their the mis- the ministers for their children but that is part of our responsibility as parents this is one way to help have those conversations with your kids and to help teach your kids the bible as it is A- am i uh you know aiming toward the right target there
1: yo yeah absolutely and you know the what's so interesting so gk chesterton says um, kids need stories with dragons in them not, um, because they know that the world has monsters, right? They need stories where the dragons are slain because they need to know that when they come across monsters that God can take care of the monsters, right? Mm-hmm. So the um, reality, the, the scriptures are a description of the way the reality is. Kids, are, are they get scared running into into reality because it's it's actually a a hard place to be a human being because of the fall (laughs) the the bible takes that seriously and shows how god is involved and near to us through all of it so um we so when we when we take out the scary parts from the scriptures we actually do our kids a disservice because the world has scary parts in it and they need to learn to be able to trust God in the midst of those scary parts. So, but here's the thing that I have found really interesting. So I have, um you know, when I, when I travel and when I um, am out and about, I like to meet strangers and I go to, uh and when people find out that I work in acquisitions for movies and television, they say, well, what kind of stuff are you working on? I love to tell just groups of complete strangers, you know, at a, at a pub somewhere um, about barely biblical because even the non-Christians get excited because mm. a lot of non-Christians will say, I would watch that because I'm curious what's in the Bible. And, um, and, and I know that, you know, and, and so if, if it's really what's in the Bible, I would watch that just because I'm curious. Uh, and <coughs> they think that it's the idea of do- doing the most violent old Testament stories with teddy bears. They find, really funny and intriguing, but they especially find that the promise of accuracy really mm. intriguing Uh because I think most non-Christians don't believe that they, they think that they are being fed a line and not really being told what's in the Bible and the, that we try to sanitize the Bible for them. Unfortunately, yeah, we do. <laughs> um we- So I, that's been, I think one of the most intriguing things is the number of non-Christians who have said, who, who have uh, said, when you launch, let me know. I'm going to go check out Lore TV. I'm willing to help fund that.
0: Well, now we have launched. Lore is launched. We have. uh, Barely Biblical is funding. Black Rose Ballad is funding, along with many other projects that we will uh, be talking about in future episodes of the podcast. Uh, So right now, go to lore.tv, L-O-O-R, .tv, subscribe today. Um, Again, fund the movies that Holly wouldn't, that's what we like to say, uh, based faith entertainment, whatever tagline you want to call it. Here it is. It's biblically accurate. It's compelling storytelling. It it really is. Hollywood will turn it off because it is so accurate to the Bible. It it is. It is truth portrayed Uh, humanity as we are, but also uh, as Christ can redeem us. And you'll see this in story after story. And there's good stuff. There's good stuff in every in every piece because you, you, uh, Jason, you talked earlier about you're reading through these scripts. You're meeting with the filmmakers. You're not just choosing. You're not desperately picking up projects because you need content. Uh, you're, you're choosing these selectively and uh, with with a discriminating eye, if I can use that term today, um, be, because you want the the best stories. We're, we're not trying to launch lore and have it be a bunch of filler material and uh, you know stuff from the you know the bottom of the barrel and uh, underneath the subway. Um, we want to find the best and the brightest filmmakers, the best uh, written, most well written stories um, that that will give you the best uh, entertainment, but also um, point you to uh, that, the truth of Christ. So Jason, I'm going to give you the last word in the program. How about a, uh, a last minute pitch for those on the fence? Not sure um, if they should subscribe or not go.
1: Yeah. So th- now is the time to do it because you, you, know, as you get in there, you get to really actually help guide and direct uh, which direction we go. But also we have, you know, another thirty projects waiting in the wings that we just can't wait to show you, and um, that I think you'll be really excited about. And it's just a matter of getting enough subscribers that we can um, get these projects funded, and um, and decide which ones people don't, people are not interested in, so that we can get them out of the way and get one, get something up there that you are interested in, and get and find uh, the projects that really serve. Uh, and, you as an audience but if you're not there you don't have a say so jump in while you still have the chance
0: jump jump in today lore.tv l-o-o-r dot tv for jason farley i am andrew southwick thanks for spending some time with us on the lore entertainment podcast and we'll see you next time